the Monday edition of Canuck Central. Satyar Shah with Israel Fair in for Dan Richo vacationing. In a nice, balmy resort somewhere. <laughs> we're <laughs> Must coming, be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. And Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Canby and Maine or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. We have a lot coming up on the show, and as always, you can get in touch with us on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650, and we'll interact with you as the show goes on here. And I'm sure people have their comments and questions, especially with the Canucks at the All-Star break, the fast, the trade deadline fast approaching, and uh, a lot of topics about your Vancouver Canucks today. Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast, the Jeff Merrick show, and also with Donnie and Dolly, and Don Taylor is going to join us a bit later. I uh, spoke about the latest when it comes to Canucks and trades, perhaps, or players they may be looking at and players that may be looking or they may be looking to move on to create the cap space. So we'll get to that coming up in a little bit. And also Julian McKenzie at, is going to join us as well next segment to talk about the Calgary Flames. And we'll get a bit of a scouting report on one particular Calgary Flame who the Canucks are being linked to, and that is Elias Lindholm. But Izzy, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, man. And you know, the big story, of course, for the Canucks this year has been their unqualified success. Uh, and it's been absolutely incredible to watch them go as far as they've gone and sit there at the All-Star break with 71 points through 49 games. Like, you know, I was having this conversation with my mother today, actually. She came by for coffee earlier oh, today. Nice. Yeah, Very nice. Nice. <laughs> I had a little, nice little coffee uh, afternoon date Still with Still Canucks takes, so, though. Yeah, some Canucks takes. <laughs> she was like asking about the team. She's like, did you think they're going to be this good? I'm like, I mean, no. Like, hey, yeah, yeah, I had them making the playoffs, but... There wasn't a single projection, and Dan Richo had them being third in the division, which maybe was the most um, ambitious ambitious one I'd, I'd seen out of anybody. But as far as analysts go, and even people covering this team, nobody saw this coming. No, not at all. And I think uh, I think part of the 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 depth there is that fans are still wrapping their heads around this idea yeah. and waiting for the the shoe to drop. And the reaction to uh, the second period against Columbus the other night was reminiscent of what it was like when these games really mattered. And, of course, that's a pretty bad team. And uh, the Canucks are able to put together, you know, with the help of the power play, which, to be fair, this has not been a season dominated by the power play. No. The, the power play has had its dips. So it's not like, oh, here are the Canucks again taking advantage of a great power play. We know that the power play can be great, but it has not carried them throughout yeah. the season. But... They have that they have that tool. And like that's the thing when you look at this team now. Yes, is it more top heavy than the average contender? Sure. But they have so many different things that you can point to that in a given game can help them win that game. Mm -hmm. Goaltending. We know they improved the backup position this year. That gives them, you know, whatever. Let's call it four or five points this year. Thatcher Demko is healthy. That's huge. The D pairs are better. They've actually got depth on this team where the bottom six can chip in. Yeah, They have so many different ways to win games this season. Like, I'm not talking about, is this the best way to build a team moving forward? Are they going to be in that group of teams that's going to contend for the next five or six years? That is yet to be determined. This season, looking at the NHL landscape, they are, they are right there with mm -hmm. the best teams. Edmonton's obviously making a case. For yes. itself right now, the way that, that the, the Oilers are playing and stacking up these wins. And is that a great matchup for Vancouver when the Oilers are rolling? I don't know. 
but the Canucks, they're they're right there and they deserve to be right there. They certainly do. And, you know, in terms of how they play, especially in this market and, uh, you know, the, the, the three worst letters in hockey right now are PDO, apparently. And, you know, that gets brought up a lot at a time. And I mean, and, you know, undoubtedly the Canucks have had a lot of puck luck this year, right? But in terms of how they're generating their goals and how they're defending, that's been the most encouraging part about how they play this season. Because a lot of the stuff they're doing is replicable in terms of their day-to-day process. And hey, does that mean you're going to always score at the rate you're going to score? Actually, maybe, because the way they're going, (laughs) maybe we should uh, not expect that to come back down. And I've said this so many times, I'm repeating myself and I apologize, but even though the Canucks will have a correction at some point, the way they're built, the way they play, we're not talking about a team that's going to go from being the highest scoring team to bottom in the bottom third. They're going to be a top half of the league team, top 10, 12 team at the very least in terms of offensive production and, and capabilities because of how they're built, because of the talent they have on the team. And if, if you think like being 11 or 12 is bad, well, the Vegas Golden Knights last year were 12th in offense yep. in the National Hockey League last year won the Stanley Cup. That's not to say um, you can you can't always score more, but it's about scoring enough more than anything else and how you play as a team. And that's been the hallmark for the squad this year. They're overall five on five play. You mentioned special teams. The PKs come a long way recently mm-hmm. as well. But the way they defend, play through the neutral zone, the way they take care of business in front of their own net, those are things you can re- replicate. And even if the, if the scoring comes down, now you are still built to win low scoring games with the goaltending you have as well. And that's what gives you encouragement about what they have built so far this season and what they have going for them and why ultimately it seems the only thing you can do is be somewhat all in on making this team better heading into the trade deadline. You mentioned Vegas set. That's a team that when they're at their best, they're they're just so dangerous. They're physical, they're heavy, and they're they're pretty relentless. Yeah. But they you can't play that way all the time. Like I, I think back to this isn't a, a completely recent example, but like the Montreal Canadiens, obviously right now, not a contending team, but they had these these groups uh, where they were they were a good team. I mean, you know, with Carey Price, they made the cup final in, in the Canadian mm-hmm. division season. But they they often would have these runs where they, they would play well and it was because the style of play was completely relentless. Right. And everyone would say, you can't keep that up. You can't keep that up. And lo and behold, they weren't able to keep that up. Where the, the Canucks had that in a different way where when we'd seen them be good with this core, it was the top players carrying the mail and they were getting little to no help from the rest of the roster. Here, they are getting a lot of help. Yeah. And they are doing the things, as you said, the way that they're defending individual plays, the way that they're playing through the neutral zone that are hugely repeatable and they're not taxing. Mm-hmm. Like they've, they've really done a good job of playing efficiently and putting themselves in a position where their best is pretty much good enough to beat anybody in the league and their worst is not, they're not going to get completely blown out like they would have because the gap between what their best is and what their worst or even what their average is They've bridged that gap completely. Well, and, and, you know, as you walk through that, right, one of the things that, that popped into my head is just thinking about how transparent the head coach is and how simple, I mean, even when he speaks to us, his messages and, and what he expects, what he wants to see and the things he, he does mention. And to your point about the way they're playing now, it's not always super taxing. And it comes back to something he's mentioned so many times. We have to learn how to play tired. And even Jim Rutherford last year mentioned, hey, if you don't have your A game, do we have a structure we can rely on? Like, how, how do we play as a team that we can rely on? This is what we're doing. And it becomes a lot easier for you to approach your day-to-day battle. 
and you're seeing that now with this team, especially the last little bit. They've had some games where you know they haven't been at their best, but it's not a fire drill, gen- generally speaking. Like even against uh, the St. Louis Blues, I don't love their game, but they only gave up like you know, I think it was four or five real grade A chances. And that was really it. Outside of that, yeah, there were bad breakdowns, but it wasn't this onslaught of mistake after mistake and 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 unseating pressure that was just relentless against you. You weren't quite seeing that, but now you're, I think you're seeing this team really grow into being not only more mature, but also being able to handle more adversity in how they play game to game. And I think it's interesting where you track the head coach and the things he said, and then you see how it does eventually appear on the ice as well, as long as the players are following along his message. Well, a huge part of that is... He has been, as you said, Sat, Rick Tockett has been very direct in addressing specific things within the team's game. He's also been very direct about addressing things like, you know, the most recent one, I guess, is the Pedersen comments, yeah. but like the Kuzmenko situation, um, Hoaglander's ice time. Like he's he he has not let anything in that vein fester. And I think that that has translated to the team where when they make an individual mistake in a game, it doesn't fester. Like they have set a standard mm-hmm. inside that room and with this group where they feel like they're getting rewarded and that it 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 must seem, you know, from the outside, it would appear to me that a big part of that is the accountability being set by the coaching staff and just that this is like, this is the way that we have to play. We're having success and we're not deviating from it. They, they're not... They're not chasing where even against, again, Columbus, not a, the greatest team in the world. It's hard to read too much into that game. They have a terrible period and then they come back and yes, they benefit from getting a lot of power plays, but they don't, in, in, in past seasons, they would have completely thrown that game away. Yeah, And it's just, it's the turnaround, the resetting, which is, that's like the huge thing we hear in hockey these days. It's all about resetting your play. Yeah. You hear it with goalies all the time, right? Like, oh, Thatcher Demko has a couple of bad games. Oh, he just needs he needs to reset, and then he's back. And this team has done such a great job of bouncing back. Every time we think this is the beginning of a spiral, mm-hmm. they go out on the Eastern road trip and they they beat some of the better teams in the league. Uh, they they have done yeah they've done a really nice job of establishing. I guess in the first half of the season, establishing the standard and this accountability and what people are going to be wanting to watch and see over the second half of the season is where are they going to improve and how solid is that foundation? Well, I think the foundation has proven to be fairly solid. I'd say very solid, actually. And in terms of where they can improve, I don't know if there's much more you can ask from any individual players outside of maybe two. Not not maybe. Well, Kuzmenko, of course. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. And Ilya Mikheyev, too, I think, you know, is gone. But I mean, even him, like, if you look at his production, like he's still on pace for half a point per game, you know, 18, 19 goals. It's kind of in line it's where he's been, taken. you know. Yep. Kuzmenko's the guy that's really fallen down, right? Not to say you don't want more from Mikheyev, but, you know, 39 goals compared to where he's at now, right? It's, it's a huge drop off. Outside of those two players, I don't know if you can reasonably ask anything more offensively from anybody. Maybe they can get better defensively in spots, but is there, is there another individual player you look at and say, well, this guy needs to be better? I mean, you can't say anything about the third line. No. That line has carved out a role. They have flipped games for this team. So a guy, you know, who at times was maligned, Connor Garland, has really found his perfect spot in the roster. And Joshua brings an element. Bluger brings an element. I mean... The, the first name that comes to mind is, is Elise Pedersen, but that's because the bar is so high yeah. that 
he's had a couple of dips this year, but then I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. We go, Oh, he's not playing so well. And then he'll have four points in a game. Yeah, like, like the bar is super high. And from a production standpoint, I with Pat Pedersen is, is such a fascinating player in the sense that I look at his game. I, I think that he's a phenomenal player. I'd give him whatever contract that he wants to keep him in Vancouver. But there are times where the eye test varies. It goes yeah. up and down. And with the exception of his, you know, the, the season where he was hurt and didn't play much and his production was a little down, his production doesn't waver. Mm-hmm. Like he he has games and stretches where we go, oh, he's not playing that well. And then he'll get four points in the game. Like yeah. that, th- that is an incredibly high bar. And sure, would you like to see him grab games by the scruff of the neck a little bit more? Sure. Sure. But also, I think part of that is also just he's played on a b- number of different lines. Like we're talking yeah. about a guy who spent a couple of weeks with Sam Lafferty on his wing yeah. and having success. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, he had McKay and Lafferty on his wing and not exactly guys you would. I mean, hey, they've done a terrific job in what they do, but there isn't a guy you can really play off of, right? So yeah, you can ask a little bit more from that. But in terms of... I do think in terms of how they're playing, they can still fine tune things and they can be a better version of themselves. I do think that can continue to go and and that's a testament to how far they've come, but also, you know, how, how much more potential they have as a group currently. But for them to really get better, it has to be outside help, doesn't it? Yeah. That's why you hear the organization talk about doing what they can to help this team out. And it's not like they, they're in desperate need of any one thing, but I think it's clear a top six forward. You'd like to upgrade the blue line if you could, although not quite as high a priority as it was, you know, before the season, before the Zadorov trade even. But that's where it is, isn't it? It's if if you're talking about this team taking another step, they've you can't really ask for a lot more than what the guys have given you. Do you need that help to take that next step and really be considered, okay, not only a team that could win the Stanley Cup, but a team that is a favorite to win a cup. Yeah. I mean, and look, that's the that's the thing that would be the separating factor. And you bring up Lindholm. There's a reason that beyond Vancouver, he's also being linked to Colorado, Boston. Teams that, those are teams that have had much better runs of success leading right. into this year than Vancouver. And they are probably that piece away from solidifying themselves. I'm sure that even the Winnipeg Jets, kind of a pleasant surprise for, for their season in Winnipeg, they would love to add that kind of player you know the same the, the same thoughts that I have with oh wow Lindholm playing with Pedersen that would be really interesting to see I'm sure people in Winnipeg are going Lindholm playing with the Ealers that would be something to see right like or Lindholm with you know which I guess Rantanen right know, they're one of the other options in Colorado like that's why he's he's going to be such a sought after player because there's just tremendous value in the versatility that he brings and in the skill level that he brings not having to be the frontline guy. Yeah. The Canucks, but like to their credit, they've put themselves in a position where they feel like a, a legitimate top six piece away from being a team that could go on a, on a pretty good run. Yeah, they certainly do, right? And I think Lindholm fits, Jake Gensel, of course, but is he even available? And the thing you always have to consider is somebody we haven't thought of 
because the front office has shown an ability to make moves out of nowhere. The heroic one, obviously, and other moves where yep. you didn't expect, and they swooped in and made a deal. So there very well could be somebody we're not talking about a lot. Lindholm seems to be the guy that, that there's most attention on. Elliot Friedman today mentioned that the Canucks are a team that's in on him. You mentioned other teams as well that, that clearly have an interest. Adam Henrique's another player that's been linked to Vancouver, of course. Jake Gensel depends on what happens with him. We can talk about guys we would like to add, but in terms of a link so far reports, those are the guys. And Friedman also mentioned that maybe, just maybe, Zadorov. And to me, if Zadorov's going anywhere, and I mentioned his name a while back too, in terms of if they're trying to add, let's say, Chris Tanev, you probably have to subtract somebody. And if you're looking at how to deep builds up, and if you're looking to add a right-hand defenseman, you have a couple extra lefties. He's the guy that would... They're not trading Cole, I don't think. I don't think they're trading Susie, of course. Yep. We know Hughes isn't, isn't going anywhere. You can talk about Myers all you want, but clearly they like what he's doing. Yeah, he fills his role. Go through the list and you're like, okay, if, if they have to move somebody out of the blue line, the guy they acquired might be the guy that makes sense. Now, Dolly Wall mentioned on Twitter, and we'll talk to Donnie as well, Don Taylor, that his GM, and it's not his GM, uh, maybe he is the, the Canucks assistant general manager, uh, Dan Milstein, uh, Zadorov's agent, also Kuzmenko's agent, uh, is not expecting a trade for Zadorov, but his name came up from Elliot. So, so that's the latest. And Kuzmenko to Chicago, potentially, something that Friedman mentioned, that he could be a fit there. I do think that if the Canucks are looking to add a player, whoever that player is, they may have to make a, a couple, one or two separate deals to clear space. Because I don't know if Kuzmenko is going to work with Calgary. Not to say Calgary wouldn't take him. He, he has a 12-team no-trade list, Kuzmenko does. I don't know what teams are on it or, and are not on it. But let's just say for a moment that let's say Calgary's on that. So it's a complicated thing, I think, with Kuzmenko to Calgary. Mm-hmm. And also, what is Calgary looking for? And your best bet, I don't think, is to try to trade Kuzmenko to get Lindholm or try to trade Kuzmenko to get Henrik. It would be to trade him to a team. You need the cap space. The space. And a, a, another team. And Chicago makes some sense. So that one, to me, they made the Bavilia trade with them as well. Mm-hmm. I could something. I could see something being there with Chicago. Chicago seems like they're going to be the team that you know, the Coyotes have been at times. Uh, the, the, the cap space laundering team at the deadline because they've got so many injuries and so much space they're you know they're not yeah. even close to to the cap that they can take on some of these contracts see what works in terms of calgary not knowing what the kuzmenko list looks like they have yet to really signal one way or the other what exactly they are looking for in trades and they they have got lindholm you mentioned tanev and they've got no hannafin yeah the three pending ufas that you know, they're all, I guess, two of them. Han- Hannafin and Lindholm are still relatively young. Mm. You think you could get them for a number of years. Um, if You know, that might be of interest to teams. Tanev, even though he's been really good since going to Calgary when he's been healthy, he's been a, a huge part of their team. Uh, you're not necessarily thinking about this as a long-term thing. So maybe the price there, people have talked about the Luke Shen trade from last year, for example. But Hannafin and Lindholm, there's the potential for those packages to get a little bit more interesting. But we we don't really get a sense of what that, that Calgary is looking to have a major rebuild because they still have Huberto on, mm-hmm. on a long-term contract, Uyghur on a long-term contract. They just re-signed Backlund, not to a huge contract, but he's committed his future for the next couple of years beyond this. Are they in that zone where the Canucks were for so long, where they're going to trade good established players, but they want 
players that can jump into the lineup right away. Yeah, like the Sharangovich addition they made, like that right, Toffoli, exactly. that's kind of what they were looking for. And and that's why you've heard Hoaglander's name be, be, get brought up anytime Vancouver has been linked with Calgary. And and I'm and I wouldn't be surprised that when the Canucks spoke to them about Zadorov that they were asking for a player like that in return and ultimately had to settle for the trade the Canucks made a third and a fifth round pick and, and future picks at that. So I can see something along those lines and I think that's the most realistic way if you're trying to create cap space is to move Kuzmenko somewhere like a Chicago. And Chicago has a bevy of cap uh, space, of course, but they also have a lot of draft picks. They gave up a fifth to get Bavillier. Could you get a future second? Maybe not a second next year. Could you get like a second in 2026? They have a bunch of seconds. Could you get a future third maybe? You're not getting a big return for Kuzmenko, but could you at least from a team like Chicago get a future pick that's at least somewhat respectable? And I think that would be what I would think the team would want to have in return. Like if you get, if you can somehow get a second out of it, then you can always you can sell it as, hey, it didn't work here, but we got a good asset at the very least, and we got cap space. Anything less than that, is it worth doing? Because I mean, the thing is, they have to feel really good about their chances of getting that that next piece. Yeah. Like if you're doing that, I mean, yeah, you can't be swinging. You can't make that trade and then swing and miss on whoever else your forward is you're adding. Yeah, and then that makes the timing of it of the essence because I mean we know that Jim Rutherford and his history of yeah. uh, running an NHL team loves to make trades and makes them fast and furious so it, I don't imagine it would be a situation where he would be held over a barrel him and Patrick Alvin no. would be held over a barrel oh you move Kinsabanko so now the, the price is going to go up like it, I, I'm willing to believe that they're going to be yeah. shrewd about it yeah, yeah. like they th- that those are those are still some moving moving parts that you got to make sure you have aligned and if it's about the fan base's reaction, getting that space and making room for a player that can be a legitimate top six presence for this team, that's gonna that's gonna hit. And that's what Kuzmenko was last year. And we can we talk about shooting percentage. We can talk about uh, the role that that he filled and how much he played with Patterson and so on. But this year, it hasn't been there. And if there's a way to parlay that or upgrade that spot to just say someone like Lindholm that that would make a, a huge difference to the way that I, I look at this lineup yeah and we'll talk to Julian McKenzie your colleague at the athletic coming up in the next segment about Lindholm and the, all, all the other players on Calgary uh, that well are linked to a number of different teams uh, Raymond on the text inbox Dunbar Lumber says doesn't make any sense to trade Zadorov before a playoff run others have sent in similar sentiments about Zadorov and I mean listen, I don't think they're trading him just to trade him the only way I could see it and, he, and even this it, it could be it's more of a long shot anyways but if let's say they can get Tanev and Lindholm, you kind of need space. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't see Zadorov getting traded unless they can add another defenseman. Yeah, that's the only way. Like you feel like you're upgrading on this player. That's the only way I can see them doing it. And even that maybe be a bit of a long shot at this stage. And I get that sentiment that Zadorov, the physicality that he yeah. brings, but the thing that they have right now with the way that the defense is structured is when Susie's healthy, they have some sort of weird combination of Myers, Susie, Zadorov. Zadorov's obviously the most physical of that group and would have the highlight reel hits and and those kinds of things. But how many of those guys are you going into a playoff series and saying they, I'm comfortable with them in the top four where Chris Tanev, you bring that guy in, as long as he's healthy, you're going, this guy can absolutely be an anchor on our second pair. And gives us some more options with Heronic, gives us some more options with Quinn Hughes, 
than your than what they have right now, which is has worked. You know, when those guys have been healthy, when Suthi's been in the lineup, Cole's a real solid player. But if you feel like this is a piece, it's the same thing with the forwards. If you feel like you can bring in Lindholm, a legit top six piece, and Tanev, a player that you think, hey, this is a guy that can be a big part of our second pair and really strengthen the rest of the of the defense lineup. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely, right? And the other thing, too, that I think about, and maybe we can expand on this a bit later in the show or perhaps later in the week, but what areas would you worry about in the playoffs? The one thing I would be concerned about in the playoffs is having two lefties and teams scouting you and be like, let's just throw the puck into the lefty on the right side in, in tough situations to create turnovers or create you know a better forecheck. So small things like that. Again, n- now you're thinking about small minor things of yeah. how to have playoff success, but that's where we're at. And that's what swing series. Yeah. And we've seen that, I, I think, against Toronto. I know yeah. uh, Vegas in, in the playoffs has done a good job on the other side of targeting that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, playoff games and playoff series are decided by a handful of goals. So when you have that matchup or when there's something that you can scout, then yeah, it's it's a it's an area of weakness. And hockey teams are it's a weak link sport, right? Like yeah. you are as strong as your weakest link. The decor has been so much better than it's been in years past, but that is still definitely something when you come to the playoffs and you look at that part of the game, hey. This might be something that we can we can at least tweak and still feel good about where our team's at. You can survive without doing that, of course. But if you're to your point, if you're looking to shore up everything you can, what areas do you shore up? Right, something to consider. And for those wondering, you know, and we'll dive into this a bit more uh, as the show and the week goes on. A lot of trade talk, of of course, around your Vancouver Canucks. Uh, it is. Canuck Central, of course. And the iconic Coors Light Chill Train is heading to Las Vegas for the big game, and it just made a stop in Vancouver, leaving behind a trail of epic prizes. On February 1st and 2nd, from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., look for its frozen tracks on Robson Square for a chance to win instant prizes that deliver big game day chill or the ultimate grand prize, a trip to next year's big game event. Learn more at CoorsLight.ca slash chill train. All right, more coming up on the other side on the home of your Canuck, Sportsnet 650.